Welcome to episode 180 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the cashing in episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host. And my co-host is not the uh, computer genius, the iRacing Indy 500 champion, a gentleman and a scholar, though he is a gentleman and a scholar himself. Um, Josh Fine is on vacation this week, so I called in an old friend, um, NASCAR genius and uh big time fan somebody who covers all the series it's been away for a while but i called in the reinforcements and uh he's went through a lot of pain to be on this show literally for the last 20 or 30 minutes his name is joe Passero. what's going on brother hey not much how you doing phil it's uh it's, i'll tell you it's been really good to be back when you texted me uh to, to come on the show i was really excited uh i'm glad i finally got over the computer was giving me some issues but uh it's been a while i'm excited i've been wanting to get back on the show and finally i feel like the timing was good and right where i could sit down and make it happen so thanks for having me i'm excited to be here tonight absolutely brother i mean this week uh a lot of nascar um centric entertainment uh if you want to call it entertainment at richmond uh took place we had christopher busher as uh, dale jr used to like to call him get a win for Ralph fenway keselowski racing in uh, the cup series and lock himself into the playoffs uh ford's actually had a good day so that's a miracle um it was an interesting race for sure a lot of strategy not a lot of yellows at the place that once was called the action track um they had testing there which basically showed that they need more horsepower um or a softer tire but don't tell nascar or the daytona beach mafia that uh sam Mayer goes and gets his first career xfinity win in at road america after justin allgaier dominates so Mayer, wisconsin his dad a shitty indie indie car driver for like like five minutes um but sam actually can drive but finally breaks through for that victory and carson hosevar somebody who's been on dirty mo media since we're getting all the references to earnhardt went on and had to explain himself and says man it's like when, when dale jr goes and tells him that he's when are you going to stop wrecking and uh i guess he decided to stop wrecking because now he has his third win of 2023 in the truck series leading into the playoffs likely he's going to be in a junior motorsports car next year i would think uh, i would assume there's going to be a a bit of a kiwi flavor as well going there so there'll be a big a lot of changes going on at junior motorsports i mean we know that all guy will be, be there and sam air probably will be there but the other two cars out figure will be different because of course josh berry's leaving uh formula one won't take too long uh the roundup uh busy plenty of stuff going on there last week and this week we even get to talk about the fact that paul tracy figured out a way to get suspended from a from an exhibition series that's a that's a new level of suck when you've crashed so many vehicles and you pissed off ken schrader to the point where you got suspended from an exhibition series. Well, he can go and he can go to his uh his heroes uh uh conventions and um rallies and stuff now instead of being in a race car and being a battering ram. And he also well the problem is I think they also hired him so that 
Haley Deegan could beat somebody every week. Um, we'll get into NFL training camp briefly. Already got some injuries going on in training camp. Joe Burrow got hurt last week, but it sounds like he'll be all right. Uh, Denver Broncos have already lost one of their wide receivers for the year again. And uh, we'll get into anything else. Niners related, Jacksonville related. And uh, since uh, Fantasy League, uh, the grip, the fall brawl, say grip strip, the fall brawl Fantasy League will be drafting in 19 days as of recording uh, of this recording. So we were coming down to the less than three weeks to go for that. We'll preview the Big Machine Grand Prix of Nashville. Last time they're going to be at this spot. Sounds like they're going to be the finale next year. So I hope they actually make a racetrack um, because the first couple of iterations of this race have been carnage filled. Cup and Xfinity will be at Michigan International Speedway this weekend for the next last oval race of the regular season. And then um, we'll close the deal with uh, this episode. So first of all, first of all, uh, we'll get into the Cookout 400 at Richmond International Raceway. I don't care what they call it now. It's always going to be Richmond International Raceway to me. Um, and Christopher Busher going out there leading, getting a second in stage two behind his teammate Brad Keselowski, leading the second most laps in the race, um, basically led uh, all but one lap of the last 50, 53, so 52 of the last 53 laps and 88 laps total. Um, it was a Ford, it was a Ford and uh, Toyota benefit basically on Sunday at Richmond. Tyler Reddick had a great, two great stages, sped on pit road, gave away an opportunity to win. Bubba Wallace probably had one of his best short track cars he's ever had in his career. Had two top five finishes in the stages, led for 80 laps, had an issue on pit road, couldn't get back up front. Brad Keselowski won stage two, led the most laps, had issues on pit road, and then couldn't get up through the field. And Dennis Hamlin and uh, Martin Truex Jr. running alternative strategies. Uh, it ended up working out, especially once that yellow came out for Gagson running over uh, Daniel Suarez. And um, I mean, I think that was literally the only natural yellow that took place. Yeah, that was literally the only natural yellow that took place. They took seven laps to for they took 13 laps for stage cautions, which is ridiculous. And they took five laps for a spin. Okay. All right. I didn't notice that, but that's pretty, that's also got awful. Um, I'll uh, get into, I'll get into the top uh, 15 or 16 or thereabouts. Well, I can just go 19 because there's 19 cars on the lead lap. Uh, Christopher Busher gets the victory over Dennis Hamlin. Kyle Busch finishes third. After starting second, Joey Logano from 23rd to 4th. Ryan Priest's first top five of the year. The first top five for the 41 team since Cole Custer won at Kentucky uh, four years ago. Or three, three, yeah, three, four, whatever, in 2020. Um, Brad Keselowski finishes sixth. Martin Truex, seventh. Eric Almirola, eighth. Austin Dillon, ninth. And Kevin Harvick finishes tenth. Chase Briscoe finished 11th, Bubba Wallace 12th, 
William Clyde Elliott II, 13th, after starting 4th. Ryan Blaney from 25th to 14th. Keebler Gibbs uh, finished 15th after starting 7th. Tyler Reddick from pole, winning a stage, finished 16th. Richard, 17th. Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, rounding out the lead lap cars on a nightmare day for Hendrick Motorsports. Their best car was 13th. The other cars, 18th, 19th, and William Byron, the points leader in 21st. But Joe, I mean, it it wasn't the usual fair. You, you'd see the Hendrick cars up there and probably have Toyotas up there. That's been the case for probably the last couple of months. But today or this week, it was Fords and uh, we're up front and uh, specifically the RFK Fords. And you had the 2311 Toyotas dominating. And but it proved once again, you can't you have to be perfect on on days to go and win these cup races. And Chris Buescher and the four and the 17 team was better than the rest at Richmond on Sunday. Yeah, these uh, these Richmond races in particular have become uh, incredibly strategic. And the 17 team this week, they played the, the right cards at the right time. They made the right strategic moves, uh, the right pit strategy, which has in the past few years become really big at Richmond. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. Mistakes cost multiple drivers, Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace included. And that really shaped the end of the race, um, you know. Rather lackluster race. I feel like that's become a trend at Richmond International. Uh, it's, you know, just kind of based around pitch strategy. It's a, a certain way I feel about multiple tracks. Richmond's probably the only short track in that category, at least the only short track in that category up until the advent of the next gen car. Um, honestly, to some degree, more excited for testing. I'm, I'm really excited to see what they tested and, and what the results, rather, of uh, testing are. Because this has been a bane for NASCAR for, you know, the short tracks where NASCAR basically grew up and expanded. Um, you know, it, it's it's pretty hard to watch a short track race these days. It's uh, it's you better hope you're playing the right strategy cards and that you're going to pass on pit road because there's not going to be too much passing uh, on the racetrack. I feel like it's been a little better this year, but at the end of the day, at least for Richmond, uh, that. 17 team they played all their cards right and you know busher is pretty good short track racer he won last year at bristol and that of course i'm sure is gonna fuel them going into this uh round of the playoffs they'll be a part of the playoffs this time unlike last year um and by a pretty decent margin you know i have to say uh with my points updates that's one of the only things i still get to do pretty regularly on twitter now um Chris Buescher was not really in danger of falling out of the playoffs on points. So as far as the consequences of him winning, I have to be honest, it's fairly minimal, especially at this point where we're getting to the point where, you know, the the playoff field got 12 drivers locked in uh, just off wins. He was not locked in prior to the race, uh, but had almost a two-race margin to where really he wasn't going to, unless things really turned south quick, he wasn't going to fall out. So as far as the playoff consequences, I'm not really sure there were any. Um, but, you know, it def- definitely an interesting turn of events. You get used to watching the 6 and the 17. Some of the other boards run well at the, the larger tracks. I think of Michigan, where we're going next week. Uh, Ford, I don't think, has lost a race at Michigan since uh, maybe 2017 or 2018 timeframe. And 
I think about Daytona and Talladega and how well they're able to uh, use their teammates, their their corporate teammates, of course, to all the Fords, not just for RFK, uh, although RFK did wonderful 500 this year. You know, the Fords are heading into a time frame where this is about the same time last year they started to pick up some momentum that led them to Joey Logano getting in victory lane at Phoenix and winning a championship. And I think maybe we're starting to see some of the same workings over here um is chris busher a championship caliber driver i don't know about that i think rfk still has some time to go but they're definitely making strides they've made great improvements since last year and i if you're looking for a good sleeper bet for the playoffs busher wouldn't be a bad yeah i think that for the way that busher and brad are running right now looks like things are on the upswing for that organization i think they're Progression has also helped in the front row motorsports and Michael McDowell's possibilities of making the playoffs. Uh, a couple years ago, he did, but he really wasn't a factor uh, by backdooring the Daytona 500 victory. Uh, it still makes me nauseous, but um, but the fact is, he's actually run well enough to deserve a spot. Uh, on points, though it also proves that there's too many cars that make the playoffs in the Cup Series. Um, I think it would be a lot more intriguing right now if you say, oh, now there's 12 winners. Nobody can make it in on points. Kevin Harvick, will Kevin Harvick in his final year make the playoffs? You know, I think there would be a lot more intrigue. It would have made it even more intriguing last year when there was it worked out there was, what, 19 winners and there were 15 winners in the regular season. It would have been even more uh, intriguing, I think, uh, because there had only been 12 drivers like Blaney and that whole Blaney and Truex thing wouldn't have no offense to them. They would have been fourth and fifth in points and they have been SOL. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's for another time. But I've had that had that feeling for a while. Um, You are. I I was curious to, to check back on the stat and the last time a non-ford won uh and a lot of them have been shr wins no less since 2018 there's been every win at michigan has been a ford like joe said all but two of them from shr most of them kevin harvick um blaney won once and that was 2021 and logano won once in that time frame, Logano's won twice um, at Michigan uh, in both 2016 and 2019. The person that separated those wins is Kyle Larson when he won three in a row in the 42 car for uh, cheap Ganassi. So um, good call on that one. Um, so we'll see if that actually holds. Fords have not exactly done great on bigger tracks. And especially SHR's cars have not been great on bigger tracks. But that's every car outside of Kevin Harvick. Um, One thing I will say, though, about SHR, all four of their vehicles getting in the top 11, the stat of Ryan Priest getting his first top five finish of the year, first top five finish for the 41 car since July or of 2020, which is ridiculous to think about but i guess the people that have the people that are zealots that defend cole custer saying well the car was so it wasn't the driver that was the issue it was the car and i'm like well at the end of the day you were in the cup series for how many years and that was the one top five you ever had i mean that's one more top five than miss hummer had 
and um you know and miss hummer finally ran out of money um when you look at cole custer he still has the same issues closing races at times in uh xfinity as he did that he's had for how many years you know in cup and even when he was in xfinity before um it's not a i'm defending ryan priest thing but the team's terrible um it it feels like greg zipidelli is back in 2005 and not in 2023 they're trusting their engineering to people that have not proven to be out uh, outstanding once they've been put on the in the bright lights no i mean no offense to bugger avich but it wasn't like he set the world ablaze with his crew chiefing he did good in his one year with tony stewart but i think that's a preface of tony was already more than damaged goods was just trying was holding on for dear life wanted one more win they had opportunities to get that second win to get to 50 but they couldn't really do it and after that i mean yeah he had clint boyer so you just have to you have to give him a pass because clint boyer wears a hockey helmet when he's not in a car and then when you're or he's without eric almirola but even with that, at some point, you have to be able to put results. John Klausmeyer had one great year with Eric Almirola, and then the bottom fell out. They wasted two and a half years with John Klausmeyer, with Chase Briscoe, and then finally said, oh, let's put let's put Randall, or not Randall, let's put uh, Richard Boswell back with him. I mean, that's retarded. You could have done that in 21. He had had the same growing pains in 21 and stunk up the joint in 21 and they would have had a year and a half where they could have actually been on an upswing that's logical it doesn't sound like eric almirola is going to be back and he's taking his money with him you don't have any money on the four car so you have no sponsorship outside of chase briscoe and whatever the little sponsorship that um what do you call pre-springs to the table plus haas money so what yeah uh yeah joe you can go in on this I will say, I, I think you're pretty spot on. They Stuart Haas has been an interesting case over the past few years. And to some degree, I think it's a miracle Harvick has done as well as he has, given the performance of, really, for the most part, the other three cars. Last year, Briscoe had a good year. Back in 18, the whole organization had a good year. But after 18, I mean, it was a totally different story. 19, 20, 21 was a lot of struggle for the four cars collectively. And I think Harvick's was highlighted because we're so used to seeing Harvick run well, but it's been a case study of all SHR. The last two, two, three races, though, I'm going to throw a Pocono out the window. Two of the last three. Uh, when you go back to New Hampshire, all four Stuart Haas cars, particularly Almirola, uh, showed a lot of strength and speed. Again, at this short track at Richmond, some strength and speed between the four SHR cars. Maybe this is a way for them to, they're, they're not going to jump right back into it, right? Harvick, I was thinking maybe at the end of last year with how well Harvick started to do, that maybe they were going to pick up on the momentum at the start of this season. But you have to build up that momentum with Stuart Haas Racing. Maybe these short track races are where they can begin to build their momentum. And, you know, I know right now I just said a lot of these short track races come down to strategy. There is an element of strategy, but there is still that element of speed. There are a handful of cars that are still capable of passing other cars because they are that much better. And the Fords in general seem to this weekend be able to do that. 
But with those four SHR cars, I feel like really it's been pretty rare that since 2018, we've seen the four SHR vehicles run really pretty close together, all four of them. So I think it should be encouraging for that organization moving forward, at least, knowing that they've got something to work with. Now, of course, you're probably going to end up having all three of the four SHR teams miss out on the playoffs this year. Right now, Harvick's the only one who can boast anything in sixth and points. Even without a win, he's most likely going to make the playoffs, uh, whereas the other three all but need a win to make it. So I I, I feel a little encouraged, actually, after Richmond about the performance of SHR as a whole. Uh, just going off of what you were saying, that I don't know why. That was just my first thought. They they seem to have that short track speed, and I'm curious to see if that's something they're going to be able to capitalize on. I mean, Harvick has a handful of good tracks. Uh, Almarola, to me, Almarola, this was not his wheelhouse. I I associate Almarola much more with tracks like Daytona, Talladega, uh, even Atlanta now, the bigger racetracks. Is now it going to present an opportunity for maybe our Almarola to go out on a high note, capture a playoff win, whether or not he's in the playoffs at that point, but is that going to present an opportunity to him? Uh, and and Priest, I think, more of a short track racer, and I thought it was very impressive during the clash. I just haven't seen that out of him since the clash, I don't feel like. So um, I'm curious to see what this organization, uh, organization can do moving forward, in particular to the short tracks, to see if that's something they can utilize to build themselves up. Yeah, I, I completely agree on that. I mean, I'm looking at it, of course, my personal bias aside, because essentially the leadership structure of SHR, we don't know what that's going to be. Uh, you're having, you're bringing in a 32-year-old rookie, albeit a very talented race car driver in Josh Berry, having to fill the shoes of of Kevin Harvick, really. But in this sense, it's, he's setting his own identity. Um, him and Rodney Childers are probably like, they're like two peas in a pod because they're basically the same guy. Um, Rodney sees a lot of him in what Josh went through. And I think Josh sees a lot of what Rodney went through. And I think that's why they basically said that was their only choice. I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. I, I, I didn't need to be Tony Stewart or Kevin Arvick to be like, yeah, that is the only choice. There was nobody else that was, um, uh, that was really, um, capable of taking over that ride. Um, so they just have to find, bring all his funding with him from, uh, that he's brought in from junior juniors team and then piecemeal stuff together to get a sponsorship package. Tony has a lot of partners. You'd think he'd start leveraging some of those as well. Um, but, um, him and, and Chase Briscoe are the future right now of Stuart Haas. Um, their Xfinity program is kind of in no man's land, uh, Will Cole Custer get a call back to Cup? Maybe. It sounds like Michael McDowell might be in play, but is he going to bring money to the table? He's never been a money driver anyway, uh, even when he was in open-wheel cars. Stuff to look at, but SHR has proven over time, uh, especially in recent times, that their short track package is probably where they're best at. Martinsville was proof of that. I think that was the only other time we saw Ryan Priest all year um, when he got pole led the first stage and then promptly dropped like a like an anchor when they had a pit stop problem and then um which i think that's the last thing we'll get into the notion of having to be perfect in these races uh 
yes, the 45 car this year has had execution issues. They brought it up on the broadcast where whether it was pit road errors, whether it was some sort of issue on the track, whether something happened or with with the uh, Tyler Reddick itself, who's great talent, absolute one of the best raw talents there is in this sport. But even when he was at the eight car, uh, he had moments where he'd overdrive. He had moments where he'd he'd take himself out of the race, a la Kyle Larson. Um, and this year is no different. They've had speed. They have the win at Coda. But there have been other opportunities where where Reddick could have won, hasn't come through. Now, on the flip side of that, you have Darrell Walls Jr., who's looking for a win. Points-wise, was able to benefit from the the horrendous weekend that Trackhouse had, which is also something that I guess is an underground deal that's been going on since the Darlington race in May when uh, when uh, Rick Hendrick decided to go scorched earth on Ross Chastain. Um, that Trackhouse racing has kind of went in into hiding and basically not been the same team ever since that incident took place sands the nashville weekend where chastain dominated um the the thing for those guys and of course brad keselowski all of them were dominant up front really didn't have any issues no real challenge with the clean air yes traffic was difficult to get through but you could eventually make something happen Hendrick was proof of that. They couldn't get anywhere the whole entire day. But once they went, and the same thing happened at Martinsville. If you effed up on pit road, you're done. You cannot pass in traffic with a fast race car in this car. And you brought it up. You said it, it's a product of Richmond. But I think it's pretty, It's it, there used to be the day where you could have a screw up. But if you had two tents on the field, it was one thing. Now you're talking about hundreds, and you're not going to make up hundreds of a second unless you have like a 40-lap run. And even if you have a 40-lap run, the way these races are going. Yeah, it's just not as much fall off. It, it's still, it's hard. It, and that that's, I, I, I'll go back and revise my statement. It's not really a product specifically of Richmond. It is a product of the short track racing package employed on this next gen vehicle because it really is you're right it's all the short tracks um penalties will take you out of it just like that and you know it it it, it even i think it rears its ugly head on the road courses too last year at the roval we saw no passing i think it's gotten a little better this year i know they went back they they um they made a, a few different adjustments to try and help out the road courses and i think they've been working out but even still you're not passing uh like you would with the gen six car you know i'm thinking you know two weeks time ahead watkins glenn 2021 chase elliott i mean he made such a bad error on pit road i don't quite remember what happened but i remember it set them back so far to the back of the field but you're right over the course of a long run he drove right up to second and was still closing on larson up until the last handful of laps almost won the race. You don't have that anymore. Not at the short tracks, not at the road courses. Dale Jr. a handful of years ago uh, was involved in a wreck. I think it was 2006. They chopped off the one of the fenders off the vehicle and ran his way back up to fourth, right? You, you can't do that anymore. If you lose a body panel, you're going to go so many laps down in the first place. You're not going to make any of them up because you're just not going to pass. 
And that that is where modern short track racing is at. I hope that the the components of the package they're testing next year are able to help the passing, are able to help the drivers. Um, I'm not entirely sure to my knowledge it's not tire compound that they're testing. I I hope that they're able to find a softer tire compound that wears a little. That will create more passing opportunity in itself. But... You know, the, the arrow still needs to be worked on because that's still going to be a big part of it. And as long as they have, as long as they keep on running a splitter and they have the underbody downforce, it's something that we're seeing in Formula One as well, um, where having the um, ground effect kind of uh, downforce, it's not a package that is uh, something that is good for NASCAR racing. Um, having the car sealed off to the ground with little to no suspension travel. I think we've been going through this for, I think, the better part of 20 years, going back to the to the um, lobster cars, the whatever T, whatever, I forget what they called the, the not T-Rex, that was the Jeff Gordon car, but um, the, the cars that they, the twisted sister cars, there you go, yeah. Man, two thousand right. five, six, seven. Those those are pretty gnarly. But you know, you could pass with those cars. You could yeah. you could do things with those cars. A few years ago, I think it was. I don't know if it was last year. It had to have been actually. If I'm one of my kidding, but um, you know, uh, Kyle Busch made a comment about um, just take the underbody off the cars. You know, I I don't know. I I do worry about the mechanical components because I'm not entirely confident in how this car is designed um it seems like certain components of the car are actually weaker than uh than they are stronger compared to previous iterations of the nascar car but i he's on to something i mean rip off the underbody get rid of so much downforce that you really aren't gonna need for the most part especially not at a short track uh get rid of it get get it done and if i want that and I want them to get rid of, I think, the shifting. The five-speed is killing them. First off, I don't know of a single car that's manual transmission that is five-speed. That I, I don't know where they got that number. And I've been questioning it since the day of the announcement. I love the car in theory, but that was the one piece I could just never wrap my brain around. Why is it five-speed? Go back to a four-speed, reduce the downforce, give me more horsepower. You know, um, they And I keep thinking back to Le Mans. Learning opportunity. Car seems like it was pretty good. Let's use it. Um, so I'm hoping that they're implementing some of that. I'm not entirely sure. Based off of what I've seen and what I've read, it doesn't sound like they're going to be doing anything with the underbody or the horsepower. If they make a horsepower change, and even this point, even if they do any other changes, it'll wait till 2024. So um, I'm actually, for the first time in a long time, I'm kind of hoping that we have uh, what we once had, which was a two different package style race car. Um, you know, for the for the intermediates and the super speedways, I'm going to be honest, I don't really care if they don't change anything. I think the car is just fine on the intermediates and the plates, but... Or, plates uh, if you will but you know short track road courses i think they need to uh definitely do some revisions yeah i the horsepower thing we're never going to get because of toyota uh i think that's probably and i've been seeing that over and over and i'm like well makes sense they've done their part in ruining motorsports for decades so that's just the way they're trying to do it here um the downforce thing they keep on doing all this stuff putting different splitters it's at the end of the day, you need to mess with the back of the car 
you could put a little you could put a piece of tape on the back that is a spoiler get rid of the bottom end they like what you're saying get the damn cars off the ground a foot off the ground and have them things slammed to the ground like they used to on Martinsville. Oh, that I used that, to... that was cool. Yeah, you would go and it see that. Right on the ground. Because it was the rake. Like they were talking, I was seeing, reading a story about the rake of the cars. The cup car goes up like, like this, but Formula One cars go the other way. Gotta love my ability to see how my camera works. But um, now I'm working with my own camera. But that's the way the rake is, and that's part of the reason why they have so many issues with rain now with how big the cars are and the, the visibility. Well, it's the same issue for when they drive on a short track because they have way too much braking power. Um, they have much better brakes because it's based on a GT3 car for whatever reason. You have brakes that are essentially what they use in the GTD class in IMSA. You don't need that for a NASCAR. Um, you can run a much lower tech brake package on the short tracks and road courses for that matter. Why they, they have the same gearbox platform that the supercars have. Why they didn't go at six speed is beyond me and why they didn't go and have a gearing rule where fifth and six speed four, five and six are essentially overdrive. Um, I don't know why. Um, you could have decided to have it as a, I mean, making a four speed sequential, I'm not so sure is possible. So I guess they could said they could do a five speed sequential, but what the, what NASCAR and their infinite wisdom did was they made the gearing so low that, and they don't have, and they only run 600, what, 650. So now they, the way the gearing is, they have to shift. And it's like, why the hell are you shifting on ovals? I only remember in my in my fandom going way back to to Pocono. That's it. That's the only track where they shifted and it made sense because you had three distinct corners. You had to have momentum coming off of three going up the front straightaway. So you'd go from third to overdrive, which was fourth gear, and you'd shift down, usually back down to third in in turn one, get back in a fourth going in on the long pond straight straightaway going into the tunnel. That's how they used to do it. You know, you had shifting at road courses, but it wasn't like extreme, you know, at Rich at, at um, Watkins Glen or Snoroma, um, you know, but I don't know, I guess we all yearn for the old days, but then when you have people like Steve O'Donnell and um, Ben Kennedy at the helm, they don't live in reality in a, in a, they live in an alternative reality. It's the same kind of reality that Brian Cashman's lived in for two and a half decades, which is why the Yankees only won one World Series. So I just had to insert an insult for the Yankees sucking too while I was at it for my anger there. Um, and then and then Jim France's obsession with sports car racing is why we have this unsafe race car um, that ends people's careers and put people in concussion protocol but the car is not good on the car should be a good road course car, but it isn't a good road course car. And it's worse for road courses than what they had before. And the short track package is an abomination and they keep on putting band-aids on it over and over again. They don't want to listen to the drivers and what the drivers think, which is ridiculous. So, I mean, this is where we're going. I mean, I guess it, they, it took them 
two de- two decades to find a good package for for uh, cookie cutters, or a decade and a half to find a cookie cutter package. But in the process, they've ruined everything else. And the majority of tracks they have out here in the U.S. that are still open that aren't closing, since that's become a thing now. All the Karens and Kens that complain about noise um are short tracks and road courses so i don't know where they're trying to go with that all right since we've we'll get back to racing since we both had our opportunity uh to rant on a bunch of things there uh, i guess that's one of the reasons why having you on joe is good because at least i knew i could go and get on we could get on our soap boxes with some of these deals um we'll uh, get into the Xfinity race at Road America, it became uh, typical of a Road America NASCAR event. It became a, a endurance race. Uh, the Road of the, what do you call the Road America 180? I think it was the Henry 180 for some sort of gun company, of course. Um Oh, I forgot about the points. Sorry. So the points, yeah, as, as mentioned before, uh, Busher uh, gets the win. He's now 11th. Uh, he's 11th in the playoff standings with uh, with his overall points, only four points behind Tyler Reddick, actually, and 11 behind Joey Logano. There's actually a decent battle there amongst all those guys. Uh, I said Byron was a points leader. He's a playoff points leader because of four wins, but um, Truex leads by 43 for the playoff points. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Byron, Truex, Kyle Busch, Danny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, then all the one-win drivers, Bell, Chastain, Blaney, Logano, Reddick, Busher, Stenhouse. Harvick, plus 182 with four races to go. Brad Keselowski, plus 151. Uh, both of those guys look pretty solid without uh, absolute disaster happening. Bubba Wallace gained... Uh, near over double the amount of points that he had on the on the bubble he was at 26 now he's at 54 plus 54 michael mcdowell plus 18 uh over keebler gibbs uh aj allmendinger's minus 22 daniel suarez in the last two weeks has went from being in the playoffs to being uh in bad shape minus 34 um william clyde elliott the second minus 40 alex bowman minus 42 so those two guys are sweating bullets for sure uh road america 180 uh the can i make points about the points before yeah sure america yeah because this is my thing if if anybody knows me i i love the points and i love messing around and theoreticals so um every driver because we're in a situation we have four people uh, who have not locked into the playoffs, four slots, and you got four races left. Everybody who's won a race is locked in. You can't have more than 16 winners at this point. So Harvick, I mean, at this point, it's pretty unrealistic to expect that he's going to drop out. He might not have a flashy time at the front, but 182 points, I mean, that's almost as good as locked in. Um, and then you have Brad at plus 151, Bubba at plus 54. That's the one I really want to talk about. And then Michael McDowell at plus 18. So first off, Bubba Wallace has now put himself in a position where if at Michigan, Watkins Glen, and Indianapolis, right? If we do not have a new winner from those three races, 
and he's still above the cut line, he could actually go into Daytona if he's able to pick up a few more points on Michael McDowell. He can go into Daytona locked in on points. He gapped himself so far from uh, Michael McDowell in the playoff cut line that he now has an opportunity to, if he can just build up six or seven points over McDowell, specifically over McDowell, um, in the next few weeks, he can go in with the potential to not even be eliminated, depending, of course, certain things need to fall certain ways. But if that happens, we're going to point to Richmond and say, that's what he did that day. You can only gain so many points in a race. He really, I mean, widened that gap. So props to Bubba, that team, Bubba and his entire team. I know they made some uh, pit road error there at the end, but really at the end of the day, they bought themselves a lot of wiggle room, a lot more wiggle room than they had for sure. The other guy I want to get into, well, I guess we're talking about two guys here, is Chase Elliott. Earlier this week, uh, Denny Hamlin made a comment on his podcast, Actions Detrimental, that he thinks Chase is going to make it on points. I think Denny's wrong. I want to go out there and say, in four races, to think you're going to pick up 40 points. At this, I, I just want to put this in perspective. The people he has to pass, it's just like a race, right? The farther up you get towards the front during a single race, the harder it is going to be to get around those guys. It's the same way in the points. The farther up you go, the harder it is going to be to pass them. Chase Elliott has to pass Daniel Suarez, A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Gibbs, and Michael McDowell if he's going to point his way in. The thing that those four guys have in common, they're all good at road courses. So where Denny Hamlin points to Chase Elliott and says he's so good over there, well, so is everyone in front of him. Gibbs has had a few good runs at road courses this year, won a few last year in the Xfinity Series. Michael McDowell, we all know, road course ringer, done very well. I believe he ran uh, very well last year. I don't remember if he finished out the day well, but I remember he ran you know, between third and fourth for a very significant portion of the uh, rainy Watkins Glen race. A.J. Allmendinger has wins at both of the road courses that we're going to go to in the next three weeks. And Suarez also has a win at Sonoma, but uh, ran pretty decently uh, at one point or another at both of the road courses that we're heading to over the next few weeks. So um, I don't know that I agree with Hamlin, and especially at 40 points out. I know Chase did very well this week, picked up 16 to the cut line, but given the way that he in particular has been running, I don't necessarily know that I would be pushing the narrative that I think Chase is going to make it on point. It's, it's possible, don't get me wrong. But for him to make it on points means he's not only he is running really well, his opponents that he is most directly facing in the points are not. I just don't see that part happening. I can see him running well. I can't see them not running well, unless, of course, certain circumstances bar them from running well if they get caught up in a wreck, mechanical failures, whatever. But I, I, I'm still under the impression, to me even, I think I think Gibbs and Allmendinger, are really the only two drivers left. I think they have an opportunity to point their way in. Um, I just don't see Suarez or Elliott or anybody back of that for for uh, reasons of realism. I just don't see them pointing their way in. I think everybody 19th back has to be on the mentality that I need to win to make it in. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess in Danny's mind, because of what Clyde is and his history, He's going on history that it's possible, um, but the way that um, Clyde's been running this year, and for that matter, the 48 car, they have not had the speed 
um, of their teammates, especially the 24, to be fair. The 24 has been the consistent one. Larson's being Larson. Um, 21 was an anomaly and a work as much as anything that, one, he had speed every week, everywhere, and he could win almost everywhere, which, I mean, granted, he has that talent, but that was the best of everything happened in one shot. Kyle Larson, somebody that'll have speed, but it can go away. He's going to be inconsistent at times. He's going to have his moments, even when Denny Hamlin doesn't put him in the wall. Um, you know, like at the end of the day, that's what he is. Um, last year, he disappeared. He had no speed uh, for a good part of the season. Did win, get his share of wins, but didn't have any speed. Elliott was the one that was up there and really the only one. I mean, uh, Byron had speed early in the year and disappeared came back in the playoff, and then Bowman was Bowman. Bowman's continuing to be Bowman, but when you miss however many weeks with injury, that's not, you don't have that opening. It's kind of funny how the everyone's like, oh, the waiver, the waiver. Well, um, you can get a waiver, but you actually have to do the job. It's what made Kyle Busch doing what he did um, in 15 all the more, uh, significant. It's why Tony Stewart coming back after however seven, eight races miss, winning a race and then still having to battle and going on that run uh, for about a month and a half, I think, uh, essentially around that win at Sonoma was what got him into the playoffs. Um, that was with a top 30 rule. Um, they got rid of that rule altogether now. Um, so so, I mean, uh, the Hendrick cars, so it's not out of the realm that either of them doesn't go out there and win within the next four weeks. Uh, but it isn't looking great for them uh, based on a lot of factors. Yeah, at least one of them's going to miss it. Yeah, it's that's been it's looking pretty likely on that end. Um, move on to Xfinity here. Um, everyone was picking A.J. Allmendinger. He chose to sacrifice running at Richmond practice and qualifying. Started tailback there. Didn't really affect him crazily, you know, to be fair, but he ran a little better than he usually did, so maybe he just has to start missing practice and qualifying. Um, that might be the new gimmick. That must be the new Jeff Burton gimmick. Uh, uh, he qualified on pole at Road America, but his car wasn't there Uh after the first few laps, I'll tell you who had the car. His name was Justin Allgaier. He dominated the race, led 42 of the races, 49 laps, um, and Allmendinger led five. So literally the whole race was run by two guys. And um, But in the end, Justin Allgaier does not come home with a victory at Road America again. I think the guy should have about four wins there for as good as he's been. Yeah, uh, he's, I, I mean, when he ran for Turner and he ran out of fuel, I think there's at least two instances, at least one instance of running out of fuel and one something effed up and got run over. Then with juniors, he's won once a junior, and I think he probably had another chance. So um, he had another, I think this could be the fourth or fifth win at Road America alone for Justin Allgaier, but instead he's going to ends up 18th, gets a lot of good, uh, gets two playoff points and gets a lot of stage points. Cole Custer is another one who will end up aggrieved after running up front all day, uh, ends up uh, getting wrecked in a in a deal caused by Connor, Connor Mozak and uh, uh, 
Sammy Smith was in there. I'm trying to remember who was. Yeah, so that was zero zero. Oh, it was yeah. It was Sammy Smith, the double zero, the eight, and that was going in a turn five. All right. Yeah, Connor Rozak uh, oiled down the track, or was that John Hunter? No, John Hunter oiled down the track, and then Connor Mozak, I think, oiled down the track too. Yeah, so that was fun. John Hunter Nemechek was trying to hit everything but the lottery. He was trying to win Mega Millions, and by the end, he hit the Mega Millions. It was a it was a pothole um, in between the coming off of uh, turn uh, twelve and thirteen when he ran off the racetrack, destroyed the whole front end, and um oil down the track so that was a good job by him gave up a lot of points in the regular season standings but one person who can leave very happy is wisconsin's own sam Mayer. uh gets his first career xfinity win young gun somebody who's looked at as uh one of the next big things in nascar uh brings money to the table family money to the table but he actually does have talent finally breaks through with that first win uh, Parker Kligerman, after all the craziness that ended up happening in that last on the green, white checkered finishes second. Austin Hill third. Sage Karen with his best career finish, running for Sam Hunt. So it proves once again Sam Hunt is making a lot of uh, progress with their equipment. And Karen, when you give him a good race car, it's never been he's talent has never been an issue for Sage Karen. But you give him a good race car, he can go and win. And you, Almost had a chance to win that race on Saturday. Herps finishes fifth. Josh Berry, I don't know how the hell he finished sixth, but he finished sixth. Kaz Grawl is seventh. Josh Balicki, another Wisconsin driver from 11th, finished eighth for uh, DGM. Almendinger, Bruckshot Jones finishes 10th. There were actually 27 cars on the lead lap. So if you had bad shit happen, it went to hell for you, like Allgaier. Um, but yeah, I mean, this race was pretty straightforward. All Geyer dominated the race and Cole Custer's won two road course races or one and a half road course races. Cause I don't know how we really can count that Chicago race as a race, but, um, he, um, those two guys were up front the whole day and then, uh, calamity ensued and, um, all Geyer ends up running off the track just before the carousel there. Uh, loses the race. Uh, Cole Custer gets run over as part of his collateral damage of the uh, 8, 10, and 18 incident, or he was part of it. He got uh, moved over. I think he was the one that got moved by Barry, or I don't know. I But whatever the case, two guys that were looking like they were going to have great points days end up not having anything to show for it. And uh, Sam Mayer who it wasn't like he was worried about really making the playoffs. I think he was in a good position to make the playoffs. They have a lot more races to go, but locks himself in, gets the monkey off his back um, with the, uh, 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 what do you call? I'm trying to remember his uh, Marty Lindley as his crew chief, uh, legendary short track racer. They brought up his father. I always remember Marty Lindley because of the, the Hooters Pro Cup and how he would win him and Bobby Gill and, you know, they'd win every damn race. Um, and uh, there was the one guy who drove the 73 car. That was the other guy that would always win. All those guys would win. And Chad Chaffin because he ran the Jackaroo barbecue sauces car. But um, they they would all win them 
races and Marty Lindley uh, has become a great crew chief has been with Sam Mayer. And I think now that he's won that race, Joe, I think it's really um, opened up his opportunity. I think we may not see it immediately here in the next few weeks, but I think that um, the relaxation he gets from that, the tension release that he gets from that is going to benefit him once he gets into the playoffs here in a little over six, seven weeks' time at Bristol, or after Bristol, actually. Yeah, you know what's funny to me is I, I was thinking, um, I was at work, so I didn't get to tune into the full race, but I saw the finish, and I was thinking to myself after that race, I was like, you know, it's kind of funny to think how long we've known Sam Mayer now, right? Back in 2020, Josh Berry, Sam Mayer split that uh, ride, and or it might have been 2021. No, I believe 2021 was when uh, Josh started running the eight car and, and Sam the one with... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking one year too early. Uh, they were splitting in 2021. And, you know, we, to me, Mayer was always a little quieter. Josh Berry, of, of course, won two races that first year and with two different teams, two different crew chiefs, two different whatever. Um, you name it, it was different. And obviously erupted more onto the scene. Sam Mayer, he had a few moments. I remember he had a fourth place finish at Martinsville, but, you know, never really got too hot never was really in the picture too much. Last year, we started we started to see, I feel like at the beginning of the summer and into some of the summer stretch, we saw some speed. We saw some, hey, he's pretty talented. He might be able to do something here. And by the end of the year, he kind of fell off and his teammates came more to the forefront. Um, you know, this year, Junior Motorsports has been struggling all around. It's been a struggle for the entire organization, it seems. They've had good runs. They've had opportunities. But especially these past few weeks, Sam Mayer has really kind of turned things up. Uh, second place finishes Pocono. And you never know with that extra lap that they or that extra half a lap that they never ended up getting to run. He might have pulled something on Austin Hill. He was within a car length. He could have done something with him. Um, and I've noticed he's just he's gotten a little bit better. He's becoming a little more refined with his craft. And I feel like that's what I usually hear what I usually talk about when I talk about these Xfinity drivers coming in. Now with this win at Road America, first off, you're right. He gets that monkey off his back. He locks himself into the playoff uh, position that he wasn't in last year where he got to lock himself in that early in advance um, despite having X amount of races left more than the Cup Series does. But, uh, you know, for him, I think this is bigger than that. I really think, and from things I've been hearing and reading, there were probably some pretty serious questions about whether or not Sam Mayer could hang with it in the Xfinity series. And I think him winning this weekend proved that, hey, I can. Maybe I haven't been my best the entire time, but I can hang with it. And I think it opens up an opportunity. Really, I think I'm more concerned about next year. Because right now, Junior Motorsports, they're not really in a position where I feel like any of the four of them are winning a championship this season, unless they all turn up the dial. But... Sam Mayer in particular, I was starting to have questions and I had been reading some material that implied that there had been talks that Sam Mayer would not be back with JRM next year. Um, obviously, it's a little harder to take, you know, uh, all the stuff that you read that are rumors and the silly season and whatnot. It's harder to take that serious when you don't have anything to back it up. But, you know, there's always that possibility. It's much harder to get a ride than it is to lose it. And for Mayer in particular, I think this win probably saves him, even if he's not with Junior Motorsports next year, 
I think having this win at least opens up his opportunities if Junior Motorsports does not renew the contract with him. So he did himself a lot of favors on top of the short term. He he potentially bought himself a much longer life range in the sport. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I didn't know that that was in play, but I mean, I figured the check was going to help him with that. But um, I also look at the Xfinity product and the business model that they have going on there in the Xfinity series. And if I figured SHR would have had no problem uh, opening up a ride for him there, uh, I think Riley Herbst could have been dumped out out the side and they Ford would have taken Sam Mayer gladly. Um, Joe Gibbs Racing wouldn't have minded a check from him, um, even if he doesn't get along with Keebler Gibbs. Uh, every Basically, I think any team in that series wouldn't have had an issue taking that paycheck uh, and the sponsorship, but it is, it makes a lot of sense um, that, you know, it it obviously is a a performance. uh, It's a performance based business. And if you're not performing, then you have no, um, you don't really have a leg to stand on. Um, I mean, that's uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing there. Here, but you know, getting that victory, it's huge for him. Locks himself into the playoff for sure, and gives himself a little bit of a uh, uh, relief uh, to not have to say that you know, after winning so easily in every other level that he's been in, um, having to struggle to win in this level, maybe now he can um, drive with a little more uh, finesse, drive with a little more. Uh, with a, a, a greater head, you know, on the shoulders there. Uh, the uh, points after Road America going to Michigan, uh, Austin Hill and uh, John Hunter Nemechek are separate. Austin Hill's up by 14 points now. John Hunter Nemechek has one more playoff point, one more stage win uh, because of the one more stage win. All Geyer is 40 points back. So that's basically the regular season standings. Cole Custer is 84 back. I mean, there are six or six races to go or something, but 84 points is a lot with the way Hill and Nemechek have been running. Uh, Sam Mayer is uh, the next with Chandler Smith, uh, Sammy Smith, and, and then Jeb Burton. Those are all the winners. Six, seven, eight winners. Then Josh Berry is ninth. Daniel Hemrick, 10th. Riley Herbst, 11th. Then Sheldon Creed, 12th. 22 points ahead of Parker Kligerman in, uh, for the cutoff. And then after that, it's getting kind of sketch. Uh, Bruckshot Jones, minus 61. Brett Moffitt, minus 82. Uh, so definitely gonna be, uh, needing a a win for a lot of those guys. Yeah, Bristol's when they open their playoffs in the middle of September. So right now, after this race at Road America, they got six races to go. Uh, You have quite a diverse group of races. Uh, Michigan, Two Mile Oval. You have Daytona Super Speedway, Darlington, which is Darlington, Kansas Speedway, which is a cookie cutter. And then two road courses sandwiched into that. So quite a diverse group of races. You know, there's going to be a lot of cup. uh, There's going to be cup uh, participation. 
So possibilities of winning races kind of get taken away with some of these cup guys being in there. Uh, so we'll uh, definitely look into that for sure. Uh, in the truck series, they uh, ran the Worldwide Express 250 at Richmond on Friday night. And uh, it was Carson Osovar winning his third race of 2023. Uh, in the process, Corey Heim gets the regular season title, which really isn't that shocking. Um, it was pretty likely that he was going to get that regular season title anyway without some sort of miracle happening. Um, we'll get into the results here. Hosevar wins. Uh, Ty Majeski started on pole and dominated the race, but got past the three laps to go. He went there. Hosevar pitted for tires. Majeski didn't. And um, that was really where it was. Corey Heim led nine laps. Ben Rhodes led nine laps. Those two guys were up front most of the day. Heim finished sixth. Uh, uh, Rhodes finished 12th. No movement in the playoff grid. The 10 drivers that were in going into uh, Richmond were the same 10 drivers that left uh, Richmond as playoff drivers. So Corey Heim, uh, Zane Smith, Grant Enfinger, Christian Eckes, and Carson Hosevar, all the multi-time winners uh, this year. So that's five. And then you have Ben Rhodes, the sixth. Then you have Ty Majeski, who was second overall in points, so he gets bonus points in the because of bonus playoff points. Nick Sanchez as a rookie, so um, he will win Truck Series Rookie of the Year. Uh, wasn't like he really was worried about that i don't think matt d burrito actually makes the playoffs just something and uh matt crafton yet again the wily veteran been at it about 170 years and he's made the playoffs yet again um three thor sport trucks make it i wonder which one didn't um stuart friesen uh does not make the uh playoffs uh, uh unusual for him He's been a, a contender at times. He's made the final four uh, a couple of times, so um, unfortunate for him. Then you have Tanner Gray um, for uh, Tricon when your teammate is a regular season champion, albeit he's a much uh, different talent than Tanner Gray is in stock cars. Um, Chase Purdy for Kyle Busch Motorsports ends up missing the playoffs by a ton. And... Uh, Ankrum and the Hattori truck never really has worked since he's went over there. Jake Garcia missed a race, but he had his moments. Uh, Taylor Gray didn't get to run every race, and he was only, he was pretty, he wasn't that far off, really, when you consider he gave up three races of points. Uh, if those are those are the two guys I would think that probably would have been the best chances outside of Stuart Friesen. But, yeah, I mean, Carson Osovar, now that he's decided not to wreck every single week, I guess uh, is showing the kind of talent that a lot of people have believed he's had, um, what Ross Jastain sees in him as his protege. And, um, hey, he's, a, he's definitely a favorite. I mean, the momentum is working in his favor. Nice has been in this spot once before with Ross Chastain trying to win a championship. I think the momentum got away from them during the playoff and then when it came to homestead that year they just didn't have it uh but i think it's going the other way this year i mean albeit this playoff is 
going to take eight years to finish. So who knows, trying to maintain momentum from August all the way into early November is a whole other thing. But Carson Osavar and that 42 team is looking really, really good right now, Joe. Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, Zane Smith was the one I was really looking at earlier in the season. One Daytona again, one Coda again, you know, started off very hot, very similar to how he did in 22. Um, things are changing. He didn't win the regular season championship this year like he did last year. Um, now, obviously, do I think just because he did or didn't do certain things that he did last year, is that going to mean he wins a championship or doesn't win a championship? No. But I think the threats are different this year. Last year, Corey Heim, I don't even think, was getting points in this series. Hosovar was in a very different place career-wise. Christian Eckes was like, barely on my radar last year and that team the 19 team certainly wasn't on the radar last year with uh with Krause so this pool of playoff drivers is very different than the pool we were working with for one reason or another last year so I wouldn't I I wouldn't feel comfortable you know I know normally you kind of think all right well in the cup series you know Generally, you can kind of point to these four drivers based on their season and their history in the playoff. These are probably the four who have the best shot of getting eliminated first and early on and and so forth. Um, I don't necessarily feel like that this year. I do kind of point to the bottom two, Matt Kraft and Matt Benedetto, and, and maybe even Nick Sanchez is probably the three most likely to get eliminated in the first round, or two of the three, I should say, since only two will be eliminated from the first round. Uh but after that, I think it's a pretty well up in the air. It's a little bit of a bloodbath. Um, you know, you get one surprise winner and everything's going to tip over. I'm really interested to see how this playoff ends up. I would say going in, my favorites are probably going to be Hosevar and, you know, I'm probably going to say Hosevar and Heim over Smith. I think St. Smith's has gotten a, a little bit cold and, uh, you know, Hosevar obviously picking up at the right time, but Hosevar has really been, uh, a little pretty good all year he's been fairly consistent maybe not always up at the front but his wins I feel like have come pretty spread out and to have three of them uh is is a pretty good sign so we'll see um I'm very interested in this playoff though as, as a whole I think given how strangely the truck season works with how spread out some of the races are uh you know especially you point towards the end of the year uh, it, it's going to be a little abnormal and it will be probably be harder to keep momentum. So if you get any momentum, find the formula and the magic potion to, to keep it because you're going to want it. This is uh, this is not a playoff that runs like the the Xfinity where it's, you know, pretty straightforward, almost seven consecutive weeks, cut 10 consecutive weeks. It, it's not like that with this series. It's going to be really spread out. It's a different mentality. And if these younger drivers can keep that, or for some of them, Grant and Finger, uh, Matt Benedetto and Matt Crafton, who have been around a little bit longer, if they can keep their heads level-headed and not allow that pressure to absorb them over such a long period of time, uh, one of them could really end up doing very well and pulling away from the rest. Yeah, and I think, I mean, right now it's a three-headed monster, one from every manufacturer, uh, you know, with Zane Smith, who is on his way likely to the Cup Series next year. Um, and then you have uh, Corey Heim, which who knows with Toyota's great driver development program, who knows where he's going to go if he dis- if he somehow or another can get that championship for um, Tricon. 
And then you have Carson Hosevar, who I think is also going to be moving up, uh, whether it's Spire driven, whether it's junior motorsports, et cetera, et cetera. I think he's going to have options for sure. Um, so at the start of the year, we didn't know where the truck series was at. We didn't know what kind of talent we're going to have after it looked kind of weak. And I mean, there are a lot of young talents there, a lot of rough around the edges drivers, but some of them are really good. Sanchez, Garcia amongst them. But those three guys are three guys that are going to be trending upward and will be uh, cup drivers uh, here in the next few years and have the ability to stand out and hold their own uh, in the truck series. So uh, that'll be good to see. But before that, they'll be running at IRP here, and we'll preview that next week on the GSP uh, for episode 181. So uh, we'll um, move forward. Belgian Grand Prix, uh, since even with Josh being on, we would we were limiting the amount of time we spent on Formula One coverage. And um, since Josh isn't on, um, I can limit uh uh who i what i say or or because i really don't want to give this guy that much air maybe alonzo would be near but yeah okay well thank you at least one-eyed marco concede that uh the results of the belgian grand prix well we know who won that um the uh they won the sprint race then he wins the race from sixth to by 22 seconds. So great for him. He didn't get the fastest lap though. Uh, Lewis Hamilton got the fastest lap, finished fourth, uh, 49.6 seconds behind, uh, and 17 seconds behind, uh, Charles Leclerc after getting the tires to get, do that fastest lap. Uh, fish lips over Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, the podium, Leclerc qualified on pole. On Friday for the race, Hamilton, Alonzo, your top five. Best uh, run for Alonzo in a while. Uh, George Russell, sixth. Lando Norris, seventh. Ocon, uh, after a really bad period for Alpine. I mean, they're still in a bad period. Keep on getting rid of team principals. Uh, Lance Stroll and Yuki Sonoda actually getting a point. Uh, Oscar Piastri, after scoring a second-place finish in the sprint, him and Carlos Sainz get into it. Both of them don't finish the race. The Williams cars had pace but couldn't keep the tires under them. So that left them uh, wondering uh, what they possibly could have had from the day. Uh, in terms of Fishlip's points lead, he's got 111 plus, he's got 125 point lead. So that's five race five race wins um and we're at what race were we at i, I mean how many races how many damn races have we had there's been 12 the 13 races so far and uh there will be 23 so uh, 23 yeah so nine races to go in the season or uh, yeah uh, go is it eight nine ten races to go sorry ten races to go so the earliest i think he can lock it up one two three four five i guess he could lock it up in japan uh i would think the i think the the that would be where he could lock it up probably 
Japan or Qatar as the earliest he could open up or he can lock up the championship there. So um, that'll be great, great for the world. Um, getting into, I was getting into the other driver's standings there. Uh, Perez takes a 40-point lead on Alonso. Alonso's only a point ahead of Lewis Hamilton for third in the driver's championship. Charles Leclerc and George Russell are tied at 99 points for fifth in the driver's championship. Carlos signed seven points back. Lando Norris finishes seventh, had a rough weekend there, a little too much arrow or too much downforce on the McLaren. They were prepared for rain. It worked when it got dry. Wasn't so good. Uh, in no man's land, he's 23 points behind Carlos signs and 30 behind Leclerc Russell. But I think the McLaren car will be all right, and he'll, he'll be able to get in that mix. Stroll actually getting points was something for him. Ocon benefited from Piastri's misfortune to stay in 10th uh, point ahead of Piastri. And uh, right now, still only three drivers who have not scored points. One of them, of course, is not on the grid anymore. Logan, Sargent, Daniel Ricardo, two guys who have not scored points right now. In the Constructors' standings uh we already know who's going to win the constructors uh mercedes is 51 points ahead of aston martin and they're 56 points ahead of ferrari so now ferrari is actually in the mix to possibly pass aston martin uh for third in the constructors championship uh mclaren and alpine are basically in their own worlds in fifth and sixth williams and haas are tied at uh for seventh in constructors at 11 points alfa romeo with nine and alfa tori with yuki sonoda's 10th place finish adds another point to get to three points on the season they'll be taking their summer break and they'll be back at the end of august at uh, the dutch grand prix all right roundup time the formula e uh, London Epre was action packed, a lot of carnage, a lot of argy bargy, as uh, uh, Calvin Fish would like to say. Uh, but Jake Dennis, the British driver at home, gets the Formula E World Championship with a steady double podium uh, performance at the London Epre double, finishes second in race one and locks up the championship in that race. Second race finishes third and gets the fastest lap. Nick Cassidy gets uh, runs into teammate uh, Sebastian Buemi, gets knocked out of the race, which basically eliminated him from the championship. Then he goes out and wins uh, race two in the rain. Mitch Evans, uh, the other Kiwi with Nick Cassidy, the Jaguar factory driver, wins race one. Second in race two, finishes two points behind Nick Cassidy for second in the Drivers' Championship. Pascal Verline, who early points leader, fourth. Jean-Eric Verne, the former multi-time champion of Formula E, finishes fifth. Two points out of former series champion Sebastian Buemi, I mentioned earlier. Gunther, after a brutal start to the year, moved himself up. Sam Bird in his last race for Jaguar. Antonio Felix da Costa, former champion of the series, ninth. Uh, Norman Addo for Nissan, 10th. Defending world champion Stoffel Van Dorn finishes 11th in points. In the team's championship, uh, Envision wins by 12 points 
over their um, factory supplier. So Jaguar gets a one-two finish there um, in the constructors championship. Then the two Porsche teams, the 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 privateer team Avalanche Andretti, who wins the world championship with Jake Dennis and the Tag Heuer Porsche. The DS Penske team Maserati uh, in sixth. Then the two Nissan seventh and eighth, the Nissan factory, and then the Neo McLaren team, and then the Neo cars and then the two Mahindra powered uh, vehicles or teams around out the field. So brutal year for Mahindra. Hopefully they'll come back with something more in season 10 and uh, supercars at Eastern Creek. Uh, I'm pretty sure you don't need to know, but uh, uh, Chevy's one um, like it. You don't need to watch that crap to know that uh, the way that the, uh, the results and the way the BOP is for for the supercars. Uh, in race 18, it was Brody Kostecki, who's going to make his cup debut in a couple weeks' time. And uh, in race 19 is Shane Van Gisbergen, who likely is coming to NASCAR next year. And um, so that'll, or is coming to NASCAR next year, has basically been confirmed by um by Jamie Wincup the owner of Triple uh, Eight. Uh Brody Kostecki leads the Repco Supercars championship points by 41 over his teammate uh Will Brown the Coca-Cola Erebus Chevy team. Shane Van Gisbergen's 54 points behind uh his teammate Brock Feeney is fourth 67 points behind uh two team race for the championship there. Chaz Mostert, the best Ford driver in fifth for Walking Chandretti United. Uh, the other Fords, there's uh, Cam Waters. That's the only other Ford that's in the top 10 in points. That is god awful. Uh, the uh, next race for the supercars will be uh, a couple weeks' time at the Ben Motorsports Park uh, for the OTR Super Sprint before they run. The two uh, two uh, Enduros, the Sandown 500, and the Bathurst 1000. Um, so that'll be uh, that'll be the calendar for supercars, World Superbikes at the Czech Republic. Uh, more of the same there in terms, you know, World SVK. Yeah, in World Superbike, the results there. Uh, Johnny Ray actually goes and. Gets a win and uh, over Toprak Raskat Lioku and Danilo Petrucci in race one. The Super Bowl race, Toprak Raskat Lioku over Ray and Alvaro Batista. And then a uh, tire, a uh, massive tire failure in race two while Raskat Lioku was on his way to winning. Um, opens the door for Alvaro Batista to get a win over Danilo Petrucci and Johnny Ray. Uh, as it stands, what could have been a, a bigger points haul for Toprak ends up, he ends up leaving the Czech Republic 47, yeah, so 74 points behind Bautista in the uh, world championship. So unfortunate result there. The next round of the championship, they're taking their summer break as well. Like Formula One, they'll be back. In early September at Manny Core for the French Grand Prix 
then they'll be racing at Aragon in Portugal. Uh, the second race, I think they, they run a, I don't know, I thought they ran a Portugal earlier in the year, but I guess they didn't. And then uh, the, or no, so Aragon, I thought Aragon, or no, that's us, no, Spain, sorry. So they're in us, Spain, and then they'll be running at Estoril, and it looks like would be the end of their season. Okay. Uh, F2 and F3 were at Spa last week. Um, we'll go with F3 first. Or no, you know, I'll just go F2 first. It's my show. I can do what I want. Uh, the results at the uh, at Spa, Enzo Fittipaldi gets the win in the sprint race and Jack Dewan in the feature. So uh, family lineage, of course, Enzo Fittipaldi, the grandson of uh, Emerson Fittipaldi and Jack Dewan, the son of five-time uh, world motorcycle champion Mick Dewan. So we'll get into the sprint results. Enzo Fittipaldi, Oteo Pocher, Dennis Hauger, Victor Martins, and Jack Dewan. Frederick Vestiu just got announced today. will be running uh, one of the practice one sessions for Mercedes coming up in Mexico. Awasa, Beauchamp, Leclerc, Zane Maloney, uh, Jack Crawford, 14th, Juan Manuel Correa, 16th, Cush Miney in 18th. Uh, okay. Then in the feature race, Jack Dewan over Teo Pocher, Enzo Fittipaldi, Zane Maloney, Victor Martins, Richard Vashore, Ali Bierman, Cushmine, Roman Stanek, Ralph Beauchamp. A brutal uh, weekend for the Americans. Juan Manuel Correa was the last uh, uh, classified finisher in that race. Pocher with his run at Spa, uh, with his weekend at Spa, goes and... Uh, I, mean, I guess Benavides got fired, so there you go. Benavides been so bad he got dumped. Ordeal in Nissani. Yeah. So yeah. The Teo Pocher uh going into the summer break has a twelve point lead on Frederick Vesti. They still have three uh three races, so six rounds total. Um or I guess three rounds, six races to go, whatever the hell you want to call it. Twelve point lead on Vesti now. Uh, basically turning into a two-horse race. Iwasa and Duin separated by four points. Victor Martins in fifth. You know, I think if you're in the top three or of uh, Formula Two or top four or something, you can get you'll get enough super license points. So that's where the battle is. So basically, Pocher and Vesti are good to go. Um, don't think they're going to have a ride in Formula One though, which is tells you how great. The ladder system is in in Formula Two. Hawassa um, might be the one that actually gets a ride out of it, and um, so we'll see what happens with that. They'll take their summer break in F three. They um, now only have one more or one more round, two more races to go after the summer break, which is at Monza. So points come into a head there. The uh, sprint race was won by uh, Kyle Collette, uh, Taylor Barnard finished second, Paul Aaron, Johnny Edgar, Franco Colapinto, Barter, Soloff, Browning, Fornioli, Gregoire Saucy finished 10th, Sophia Flourish actually finished 12th, Kalen Frederick 13th. Uh, going through some of these other guys, I mean, you heard of some of them, probably just got hired. And then in the feature race, Taylor Barnard gets his first win. Christian Mansell 
Bedrin, Garcia, Colette, Sebastian Montoya finished sixth. Sophia Flourish gets seventh. Uh, Paul Aaron, Pepe Marti, and Franco Colapinto rounds out the top 10. Uh, Gabriel Bortoletto is 38 points ahead of uh, Paul Aaron. So right now, I think as it stands, I don't know what the maximum amount of points. I guess you can get 28 points in a feature race with the pole and the fastest lap or some crap like that, or two points for pole and then one for the fastest lap. So I think that's the maximum you can score in a feature. And then in the in the sprint race, I think the maximum you can score is 11 from what I see here. So 28 and then so 39. So essentially, uh, Bordoletto just has to, if he scores a point, uh, if he can score a point in either race at Monza, he will be the Formula 3 world champion. Um, behind him, though, Aaron, Marti, Zach O'Sullivan, and Franco Colapinto are only separated by six points. Baganovic is in sixth. Gabriel Mini in seventh. That's a, There's less than 20 points separating those seven drivers or six drivers. Goth, Fornioli, Colette um, in a battle there from eighth through tenth. Uh, points are pretty close, 16 points from 8th to 13th. So still a lot to play for for those drivers with a couple uh, races left in their season going into their off season and battling for rides in F2 and elsewhere. In F1 Academy, um, I'm trying to motor through this. There's um, Abby pulling. Oh, that's not good. Um, Marta Garcia gets a race three win uh, after, you know, so standing, so calendar and results. So go back there. So Neri Marti and then Marta Garcia getting wins in race two in race three. In race one, uh, we'll get in there. So Marti over pulling in Lovenfoss, Buller, Hamda Alk, Cabasi, Marta Garcia, Amda Alcabasi, Caceres, Schreiner, Grant, race two, Garcia over Buller, Amda Alcabasi, and Hamda Alcabasi, Marti, Schreiner, pulling Edgar, Dehus, and Brianca Bustamante, and then uh, Marta Garcia, Buller, Lovenfoss, Marti, Hamda Alcabasi, Edgar, Amda Alcabasi, Schreiner, Gilks, and Chong for Prema. So they're changing drivers in Formula One Academy too, conveniently. Oh, they ran the short course, the old, the old uh, course that they used to have at uh, Paul Ricard for the Formula One. Uh, Marta Garcia, 13, 48-point lead on Buhler, and then add another you know, 56 points on Hamdal Cabasi in third, Neri Marti and Abby pulling rounding out the um, top five. Uh, their last uh, round uh, three races will be at Austin in the middle of October there. The um, NHRA finished their Western swing at Snoroma and uh, saw the, uh, saw the uh, what do you call, Gage Herrera get the Western swing sweep. First time they said since 2009 that anybody has swept the Western swing. Justin Ashley won in Top Fuel and J.R. Todd won in Funny Car. Um, Justin Ashley beating Antron Brown in the uh, Top Fuel 
Um, Ashley beat number one qualifier Austin Proc in the second round, along with uh, Doug Coletta in the first and just and Josh Hart in the semis. Uh, 377 with a 328.78 miles an hour. Antron Brown beat Mike Salinas, Brittany Force, and his bestie Steve Torrance in the semifinals on his way to the final there. Former winner, a uh, sweep, so former, he's won, uh, swept the Western swing himself in the past. So J.R. Todd uh, from the number eight spot goes and beats number one qualifier Bob Tasca in the second round. Uh, then Matt Hagen. And Chad Green, who was trying to go for his first career win uh, there in the final. And in Pro Stock, they didn't run last week. So go to Pro Stock Motorcycle. Gage Herrera has been off for a couple of races. Right back into it. Uh, gets a buy run first round. Ingwersen red lights against him in the second round. Uh, Herrera out. Just flat out runs Karen Stouffer in a semis, and then Matt Smith, I guess, broke because there's no run there. Um, Matt Smith uh, started from the number two spot, beats Lance Bonham, who red lit by a country mile. Then Steve Johnson, who had mechanical, and Eddie Craywick in a run after giving up four hundredths of a second on the tree. Um, so that's that. Uh, the standings going to Brainerd in a few weeks' time. Uh, Justin Ashley has a 32-point lead on Steve Torrance. The cutoff right now is 16 points. Clay Milliken over Sean Langdon for the top 10. Then in uh, Funny Car, Matt Hagen has a 19-point lead on Ron Caps. Uh, Chad Green actually third in points, so credit to him. J.R. Todd gets himself a little more solidly into the top 10, eighth in points right now. Pro Stock didn't run last time, but uh, Glenn over 200 point lead on Hartford and Coughlin Kyle Koretsky 17 points up on the cut line above uh, Bo Butner and 22 on Jerry Tucker and in pro stock motorcycle similar nearly yeah 360 point lead Gage Herrera he's already clinched a countdown berth because uh, he's basically won the majority of the races this year uh, Hector on a Two points out of Eddie Craywick for second. It's actually a good battle between Arana, Craywick, and Matt Smith. Uh, Kelly Klontz, eight points out of Ryan Ayler for the cutoff there. The, uh, yeah, Kyle Bush getting into SRX, the going in, won the race at Motor Mile last week uh, on Thursday Night Thunder. And his debut ran into about two or three people in the process uh, to do it. They don't have the results from Motor Mile, which is always great. Uh, tells you who's working on the who's working on their uh, on their reports and stuff when they don't even have their stuff updated. Um, trying to go through here, not a home run, yeah, because it's wasn't a it probably didn't work because of course it wasn't going to work. And uh, in the, yeah, local short, yeah, Johnny Benson with is going to be. At uh, Berlin Raceway, the longtime, the Michigan native, the former ASA champion, former cup, former winner in all three uh, categories of NASCAR, uh, Johnny Benson Jr. So he'll be uh, driving there in the, um, he'll be driving in SRX this weekend or this Thursday, I mean, and then um, 
the points standings, you know, going at so the points standings after three races, no neck has a 21 point lead on Marco Andretti and a 24 point lead on Tony Stewart, uh, Haley Deegan bringing up the rear uh, because she sucks. Um, Paul Tracy got suspended because he's destroyed millions of dollars worth of equipment, I think, through two and a half years of racing in the Camping World SRX. So I think, yeah, so the race results page brings you to the point standings page for Toby Christie's. I don't think anybody from Toby Christie's website listens, but um, yeah, so then you have to go on the race results camping. So then you have to go through that way to get it. Kyle Busch over Clint Boyer, Tony Stewart, Brad Keselowski, and Ryan Newman were your top five. Um, you had, uh, I'm trying to see who else. So Labonte was seventh, Deegan eighth, Marco Andretti ninth, Tracy 10th, and Ken Trader was 12th. So, um, Ken Trader, I've never, I haven't seen Ken Trader that angry in a long, long time. So credit to Paul Tracy on that. Um, Moto GP will be back this coming weekend after their summer break running in the British Grand Prix. Uh, so right now the standings going into the uh, second half of the season, Peko Bagnaya has a 35-point lead on Jorge Martin, 36 on Marco Basecki. Brad Binder, Johan Zarco rounding out the top five. Um, Luca Marini is just out as 11 points behind Zarco and from fifth and sixth there. And Ducati, of course, leading the constructors. Don't need to tell you that. That all the Ducatis have. Yeah, Pirelli, they'll be going to, they'll be uh, providing the tires for Moto2, Moto3. Sam Lowe's is going to World Superbikes. We already went through that. Tony Arbolino, eight-point lead on Pedro Acosta. And uh, Jake Dixon is 44 points behind Alonzo Lopez in fourth, Aaron Kinnett in fifth. Uh, Joe Roberts is an 18, Sean Dillon Kelly, one of a bunch of riders that haven't scored points so far in uh, 2023. Okay, Emset Road America, we're almost there, people. Sorry, especially to my co-host who's had to wait for me motoring through all of this. Uh, Ugh. Okay, so the uh, they'll be running at Road America and the IMSA Sports Car Weekend, the Road America 500, whatever, and uh, they'll have uh, the brand new repaved track there. They'll have uh, all four still have the Lamborghini Super Trofeo, the MX-5 Cup, which will be really cool there, Michelin Pilot Challenge, uh, 38 cars in that field. And then uh, 46 cars in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, this is the usual suspects in the GTP category with the addition of Harry Tinknell and Jimmy Bruni in the Proton uh, Competition WeatherTech Porsche number 59, throwing back to um, Brumos Racing because they use similar colors. Uh, two ac- the two Porsches from Penske, you'll have the other Porsche a customer with J.D.C. Miller, Vander Helm, and Rockefeller. You'll have the two Acuras, the the 10 and the 60, the two Cadillacs, 01 and 31, and the two BMWs, the 24 and the 25. In LMP2, seven entries there, uh, Kurtz and Hanley in the CrowdStrike car. Tower Motorsports doesn't have 
one of their drivers there, but Louis Delatraz, Stephen Thomas, Michael Jensen, TDS, their teammate John Falbin, Guido Vandergarder in the 35, Era Motorsports, Dwight Merriman, Ryan DL, Dennis Sanderson, Ed Jones, High Class, and the PR1 Matheson, uh, 52 of uh, Ben Keating and Paul Loop Chatin in LMP3. There will be eight cars Ave Motorsports, South Lucas, Tonus Kazimets, 13 Ori Fidani, Matt Bell. So the AWAs will have two cars. JR3 will have two cars. Sean Creek racing with Barbosa. Gar Robinson not running with the, uh, why am I forgetting his, his Bar- Jao Barbosa? This week, Josh Burdon will be his uh, teammate. Jerry Kraut, Scott Andrews, J.D.C. Miller will be running, though. In GT Pro, the Corvette Racing Team, FAF Motorsports, Porsche, Vassar, Sullivan, uh, Lexus, Harder Racing, Aston, and then the WeatherTech Racing, Mercedes. Uh, The 16 entries in GT Daytona, uh, usual drivers there. Trying to see if there's anybody... Uh, different no they the additions will be racers edge with wayne taylor racing mario farnbacher ashton harrison and jared andretti uh and gabby chavez with the andretti autosport aston it sounds like that's the class they're going to be moving to next year so that'll be interesting i don't think that it makes a lot of sense i think lmp2 makes more sense but whatever michael andretti's all that money to spill i guess he can choose where he puts it rally finland you know, coming up this weekend, you're going to have Yari Matty Latvala making a return to race while uh, her first time in four years, Cali uh, Rovampera dominating the championship. So he's trying to um, increase his uh, points lead in the in the championship there. Um, website. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Teams and drivers, results and standings. Right now in the WRC, Cali Rovampera is uh, 55 points ahead of Efren Evans and three, 58 points out of Thierry Neuville. Optanak is in fourth. So the battle from for second is actually very intriguing, uh, but it really isn't otherwise. And, uh, the, I'm trying to see what the... Uh, Rally Finland. We're trying to see the entry list. Do they have the entry list there? No, uh, we'll see that. They're supposed to start the race. Uh, the recce is going to be on uh, Wednesday, and then the actual rally starts on Thursday. There you go. In terms of the rally one cars, just to, once this thing actually decides to load eventually, uh, there will be one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine cars in the Rally 1 category. Four Toyotas, as I mentioned, with Rovampera, Efren Evans, uh, Takamoto Katsuda, and their team principal, Yarimati Latvala, making a return to the driver's seat. Hyundai will field three cars, Neuville, Lappi, and Sunanen. And then the Ford M Sport team will have Atanak and Pierre-Louis Loubet uh, running for the the nine cars there and the rally to the wrc2 category is quite competitive so that'll be one to look at a deep field in that class and uh yeah, the rally three is a spec class they have rally two but they're not classified that's interesting a couple of rally two and rally three cars then you have okay so they'll have 
68 cars. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. If Cali Rovampera can continue his momentum uh, going into um, at Rally Finland at a home game there. The Indy Next series will be running at Nashville this weekend on Sunday morning, actually. Uh, go in there. I don't know if they, they don't have the spotter guy. They don't have the entry list as of yet, but the um, moving up is a... Uh, Matt Brabham will be racing for Cape Motorsports this weekend. Victor Franzoni will be racing for Junkos Hollander. Um, we'll step up to Indy next. Both drivers, yeah. So, and then Able Motorsports will have uh, Yuvin Sundramurti and Francesco Pizzi will both be racing to finish the season for Able Motorsports. So, 20-year-old Indian-American, so I have somebody to root for. Look at that um, in Indy next. It's not like I didn't have people to root for, but uh, I have somebody else to root for. I have a brown guy just so I can hear Lee Diffie try to pronounce that name on a telecast. I'm just hoping he makes it just for that sake alone. Uh, okay, let me go here. Uh, okay, yeah, um, and that's it. Training camp update. We'll get back to it next week. Uh, it's early. They'll have the Hall of Fame game, A, Ron, and all that. Uh, don't have to worry about it. We'll get back to that next week with Josh. Um, nobody is, nothing serious has happened with our, either of our teams. Uh, Tim Patrick got hurt. I haven't seen anybody else that's really gotten hurt as of yet. I didn't look at the tr- trade deadline of baseball. I don't think anything of great significance happened. Indy, Indy car will be at Nashville for, um, for the third time. And, uh, I don't know if they've altered the course from last year at all. I would hope so because it's just a carnage filled race that they've had in the two years that they've been there. Um, so far, uh, Dixon, the winner last year at uh, Nashville, it would be a timely, uh, it would be very timely for him to get a win if he could get one this year. Um, he has two top tens there. Uh, Palau. Rosenquist, New Garden, all have had two top tens and two races there. And um, I mean, for me, that it basically, uh, and Rosenquist won, or not, I mean, Erickson won the first race there after taking off in the air uh, over the back of Sebastian Bourdais' car. So for me, I'm going to pick Scott Dixon. Uh, it's chalk. Why wouldn't I? My wild card is not really a wild card because he's too far up in points. But so I'll I'll preface this. So this one is the one that I think has a really great chance to win um, if he can get out of his own way, and that's Colton Herta, who's been supremely fast at this racetrack two years in a row, and has nothing to show for it. And then in the um, looking at the IndyCar standings itself, the people the actual uh standings uh drivers championship of 27 drivers um the person i would pick as a wild card amongst this group i mean you're gonna have uh you're gonna have linus lundquist making his indycar debut this weekend uh so that's asking a lot um i'm gonna pick callum Eilat. he's right on the edge there um I think it's a good, a good opportunity for him to go and get a good result. He got screwed at Detroit 
out of a result, I think this will be a good opportunity for him this weekend. So um, I'll go and I'll write it down here and update it later. So Dixon, I got Dixon, Berta, and then Kyle Ott. Okay, so after that long period of um, inactivity for Joe, uh, you're welcome back. Um, Thank you. I my my dad. I had to take a call. Um, been having some car issues, and he found some stuff that I needed. Unfortunately, it looks like tomorrow is going to be a really long day. Well, <laughs> it sounds like what for everything you've been going through today. Then it's been a long few days. So I apologize for making that a little longer on my end but fun though i like being here uh so we'll go and uh start previewing the michigan weekend they'll have arca which basically nobody cares about and um they'll run the cabo wabo 250 which means we're going to get to see uh sammy hagar uh in whatever condition he's in and uh they'll qualify on friday practice and qualify on Friday, and then they'll race on Saturday afternoon. There'll be 40 cars for 38 spots. Um, let's see, Carson Osevar in the Spire, 77. Dawson Cram back in the 74 for uh, Mike Harmon's team. Weatherman in the 91. The 66 back in trying to make the show. I'm not sure if that's going to continue to be the case. C.J. McLaughlin, who was parked a few weeks ago, um, attempting to make the race with the Emerlin Gaze 53. Mason Massey in the 44 for Alpha Prime. Uh, trying to see through here. Graf in the 38 this week. Emerling back in his own 35. Yeah, Connor Mozak in the 24 after running for Gibbs last week. Keebler Gibbs in the 19. Um, A.J. Allmendinger in the 10. Mason Maggio in the 08. Uh, Stephen Parsons back in the 07. Both of those for SS Greenlight. Brennan Poole, uh, he's already nobody. They don't have anybody listed in the four right now for JD Motorsports. Blaine Perkins running Auto Park it uh, this week for our motorsports, a sponsor for Lawless Allen. So um, I'll let you go first, uh, uh, Joe, and what are your thoughts? Who do you look for as a winner in a wild card this weekend? at uh, Michigan in the Xfinity series. Yeah, well, Michigan has been very much track about pretty much two things, speed and strategy. Um, seems to seem to find a, a similar level of grip. It's a little harder to pass at Michigan just because you really only find the grip in, you know, two or three lanes. Um, but you can do it. It's not like Richmond. You can definitely pass here, especially in an Xfinity car. Um, to me, there's one team that really, I think, for the past, maybe year and a half really comes to the forefront of my brain when I just think speed and big track. That's Austin Hill. I'm going to pick Austin Hill as my favorite to win this race. Uh, this is just that type of racetrack that I feel like he does well at. Um, does well at Las Vegas, a, a smoother, more high speed, you know, you're not really running on the bottom the entire time type of track. To me, this rings true. Uh, obviously some differences in size, shape, speed, that you run at Michigan, but Austin Hill seems to fit that bill as far as what I look for. Um, thinking about a dark horse, I, I like what you said about uh, IndyCar, that you picked someone you thought was 
maybe too far, uh, too high up in the points, rather, to be your dark horse, so to speak. Um, and I feel very much similar about the same person, probably a little too high up in points to call him a dark horse. But given the year he's had, given his results, uh, some rather poor luck, uh, I think maybe, if anything, more than a dark horse, it's more an opportunity to get their campaign for the championship back on track. Josh Berry has done very well at Michigan, is another guy I think of doing very well at these tracks, like Las Vegas, very similar to Austin Hill. Um, Two years ago, was really close to winning the Michigan race uh, when he was in that number one car filling in for Michael Annette when Annette was out on injury and uh, has done well since. So uh, he's probably my, probably again, like we said, a little too high up to be a dark horse, but we'll make him my dark horse. I'll go out on that. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'll I'll go, and I have no problem with that. It'd be good to see. Uh, personally, he does need a win just to kind of get that momentum uh, moving there for this season, knowing that, of course, he's going to be moving forward uh, to the Cup Series uh, next year. Uh, for me, I mean, you brought up Austin Hill. He's going to be running the Cup Series as well this weekend in the uh, 62 for Beard Motorsports. Never knew Beard Motorsports was from Michigan until, I guess, today or yesterday or whatever. So uh, credit to them finally running at Michigan. Uh, For me, uh, I mean, if it isn't Austin Hill, generally speaking, uh, the easiest one to go with is John Hunter Nemechek because they've been the two dominant figures so far in 2023. Um, eight wins amongst those two guys in 20 starts. And when you look at other regular drivers that have, that are in this series, they only have uh, eight, four, five, six, seven. So uh, the rest of the regular field has seven wins. So uh, they've been dominant. Uh, I'm going to go with John Hunter uh, for me. And then, um, because why wouldn't I? It's it makes a lot of sense. Um, somebody who uh, right now too high in points. Or that's yeah. So that's because uh, I'm counting people who've run 19. I think Kyle Seed counts as well in 18 races. So that means it would be um, Perkins actually. Geez, 24, 25. So it'll be 13. Somebody that I would say is a wild card for this weekend. I'll say is Ryan Sieg. He definitely needs a win. Uh, fuel mileage comes into play at Michigan. It's an opportunity race. There's not going to be that many pit stops if they don't lose a lap. Uh, I think is that's an opportunity for them to possibly backdoor their way into the playoffs. Uh, you look at Daytona being one of those as well. Um, it, that was one of the, those are two of the last, that's probably the only other opportunity race they have because the two road course races coming up, there's going to be cup guys there. Uh, so I'll pick Ryan Sieg for that. I do agree with Joe on the Josh Berry call. Um, Custer has not done horrible at Michigan over the years. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think who else has kind of a record. I mean, Creed, we keep on talking about when is he going to get his first win. At some point, he's going to have to get a win. But uh, right now, he's on the bump spot for the playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, only 22 points ahead of Parker Kligerman. Uh, we'll go to the Cup Series Firekeepers Casino 400. 
at uh, Michigan. Uh, no issue for DNQs because there's 37 for 40. Um, I, I mean, or I just looked at that again just before I move forward. What were your thoughts, uh, Joe, on the announcement that CW is going to be the official home of the Xfinity series for six years? I think the six year deal starting in 25. Um, exclusive, they're going to show the vast majority of qualifying and practices as well. Um, albeit they're not that long anyway, but, uh, these days, but hopefully that means some new blood NASCAR or media group is going to handle a lot of the back end of it. So that'll be one piece. I wonder who they're going to hire in terms of talent, but, um, new opportunity for NASCAR and for the Xfinity series to have their own identity for the first time, probably in 23 years. Yeah, I I will say I kind of like it being on one channel. I like the fact, I mean, you have Fox Sports 1 and uh, Fox carrying out all of the trucks. I feel like, you know, Cup is a little too high premium market to to have one carrier the entire year. But Xfinity, I like the call for Xfinity. I think it's going to make it a lot easier for fans to to remember, all right, you know, Saturday is for CW and go ahead, tune in and, you know, watch. And um, I, I do hope that they pull either uh, existing or new talent. Um, it'll be nice and refreshing to see something that's new uh, for all you fans who tear apart NBC and Fox and mostly Fox. Um, you know, just give CW a little bit of a break. It's going to be a rough start. It always is a rough start when you're jumping into something a little newer, especially with the new channel. That's probably just figuring everything out. Um, so, you know, cut them a little bit slack the first half of the season. Wait for the second half uh, before you you're really ripping anybody over at uh, the CW. But I'm excited. I'm hoping it's going to be good. Um, you know, Xfinity won't change much, of course, but, uh, it's exciting to hear, uh, that large of a commitment for the Xfinity series, you know, um, especially when it's a standalone deal, the CW, as far as we know, is, uh, not contending for any bids, uh, for the cup series. So it's kind of nice to see it in some sense, stand alone and stand out. Um, very similar to like, I feel like with the trucks, you know, to turn to Fox one, it, it helps it stand out a little. Um, once NBC takes over, so uh, it'll it'll be interesting. It might be a little more complicated for uh, select uh, viewers to follow, but I think at the same time, it's a good way to help continue to build up that series and that brand that is the Xfinity series. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's better for the series in general that they have their own identity. For one, I also look at it in the sense that it is an opportunity to probably bring up some people that haven't been in the lead broadcasting, like a lead uh, uh, play-by-play person, a couple of analysts that haven't really gotten a shot, or maybe somebody who hasn't been around in a little bit. Um, Everybody, there's plenty of people that I think are pining for the likes of Alan Bestwick to get a call again, um, (laughs) including myself and Joe. Um, But I don't know what he's thinking. He likes that six-week uh, deal with the SRX while he decides to call random college football, tennis, and whatever else he calls on ESPN, but I guess he's happy. So um, let's see. Um, I mean, that I don't know who they'd pick as long as it's not Jamie Little or Vince Welsh or 
I don't know whoever they call have calling regular ARCA races on on Mav TV. I mean, call Kristovoda. I don't care. She was not horrible doing the, but call Kristovoda back. She was good. You know, like there's people that that are on the sidelines that definitely could work um, and do some stuff there. I mean, I think one person that we should probably look at. I mean, there's a lot of young women. Uh, you have, uh, you know, you have uh, what's it called? I was talking about Vince Welsh. Well, Dylan Welsh. I think is somebody who I think is more of an IndyCar uh, sports car guy, but with his background, but he's also got a lot of NASCAR time as well. Him and his wife, uh, Hannah Newhouse, I think those two would be a great pairing uh, to move over. Um, a blast from the past is Dr. Jerry Punch. Well, his, his daughter, Jesse, does a show on MAV-TV. She would be an awesome ad. And probably be a great pre-race host, pre and post-race host. Um, not to mention, get some driver talent in there. As far as I'm aware, Kurt Busch is not with any broadcasters next year or this year, I believe. So uh, I always thought he was really great in the booth for the Truck Series. And I would love to see him in the booth. I would love to get his insight. I think that's one of the strengths NBC has with having Jeff Burton and Dale Jr., and then having the crew chief combo, right, of Dale Jr. and Steve Letarte that work together, that's one of the things that works so well for them. So I'd like to see some driver talent. Um, if we don't get crew chief talent, you know, maybe they can pull from uh, from an existing pool there and get uh, consultation from Steve Letarte. I know, I know he does some of that, but uh, it would be good to see, I think, some driver talent too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, if Kurt is looking for – uh, a side gig um I, I think he would be a great lead guy that would be a great name to go and put on uh the telecast uh saying well we got kurt as our lead analyst he's a cup series champion he's won xfinity races and he's got opinions and whatever so they'd be able to market that um could even have an opportunity once in a while to have Kyle come up then um, if they were going to have the roving third. I think they're, they probably want to have a solid regular lineup. I don't know who their lead play-by-play person will be, but I, I think Kurt would be a great uh, pillar to have there because he kind of brings that balance. kind of reminds me he has a little bit of excitability, but he also is very you know calculated. So it kind of brings a little bit of Benny and Ned there which is what you want. And then having somebody who's kind of out there um, could be as a, a driver, but I, I look, there are crew chiefs that aren't working uh, right now. That would be options. I mean, you have um, what's his name who used to be um, Joey Logano's crew chief and now works part-time as Jimmy's crew chief on the 84 um, for um, uh, what do you call uh legacy todd gordon yeah he works for uh, thanks Uh, he he works for uh what do you call mrn i mean that would be a good i'm not sure if he's a tv guy per se but he knows everything he knows all that stuff he's won uh i always like booty but he's got a good gig right now with the the 23 so um Chad Canals, but then he's too connected. I don't. He was good in the booth, but I, he's too connected. It just, uh, it's, uh, it would be too much of a bias deal. But uh, I mean, but then there's always somebody from Hendrick involved. So why wouldn't they go and get him or go and get 
you know, Greg Ives or get somebody who used to work for Andrick. Like there always is. Um, but we'll see. I think that that'll be an interesting because now there's still over a year and a half before they have to actually make their debut. So they have plenty of time to look at who they're going to bring on talent wise. Cup Series, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Austin Hill will be running in a 62. Balicki will be back in the 78. Um, Custer in the 51 for Rick Ware. Um, Yaley in his usual 15. Um, let's go through sponsors. Jockey will be on the one for Chastain. They don't have somebody listed for Syndrick as of now. Dow, Mobility Science for Bald Spot. Bush, Light Peach again for Harvick. He finished in the top five at Pocono with that scheme. Nexalit, whatever the hell that is for Brad. Garner Trucking for LaJoy. Quick Trip and Quick Star for Kyle Bush. Uh, Narpa for Elliott uh, this week. Mavis again for Denny Hamlin. Laney has nobody listed. Um, Mahindra for Briscoe. Farm Smart for Almendinger, Castro Ledge for Busher, Auto Owners, Martin Truex, Ream again for Chris Bell, Harrison Burton, Ford, 20 years, senior master text. Interesting. Um, DoorDash back on the 23 for Bubba. Uh, yeah, Liberty. Man. Lee Filter on the 31, Loves and MTS for Michael McDowell, Chicago Pneumatic Compressors for Todd Gillen. United Rentals for Ryan Priest, nobody listed, so we know it'll be uh, the usual um, on the 42 and the 43. Rocket League for the 45 and Tyler Reddick. Minute Rice for Ricky Stenhouse. Ally and the Detroit Pistons, okay, uh, for Alex Bowman. Uh, Keebler Gibbs will actually have Monster on the car this week. Um, Austin Hill, Bennett Transportation. Um, Ferris commercial mowers for Ty Dillon, Ziegler Auto Group, Josh Balicki, Worldwide Express for Daniel Suarez. All right, Joe. So, yeah, I mean, Michigan, one time they race here now. They used to race twice. Uh, last year, Kevin Harvick won his second of back to back races there at Michigan. His recent record there is pretty insane. Um, is this the weekend that he breaks, uh, goes and ends the winless streak? And finally gets back into victory lane, or are we looking at a Chevy resurgence and Toyota continuing their trend of being up front? You know, I I think about a lot of the names about who's good at uh, at Michigan, and, and there's a handful, and it seems like over time, you know, you get a few new ones in there, a few drop out. Um, I'm I'm having a little bit of a hard time, quite honestly, because last year. Despite Ford winning, uh, Ross Chastain really, you know, was looking good for a long part of the race there. Um, And I believe it was a late race incident between he and Christopher Bell, who, if I remember correctly, were going to cycle back out to the front. Um, I believe they were third and fourth at the time, ended up wrecking each other. Um, you know, just part of collateral damage from Ross Chastain. Um, you know, I, I don't know because last year I do genuinely feel like things could have gone differently. Um, as far as Kevin Harvick, I mean, it's silly to not even consider him when going to Michigan. If you're, you're sleeping on Harvick, you, you probably got another thing coming. Although he's not running a red car, it's orange. So don't know if the extra speed is going to fall out because of the color change. 
Um, I think a lot about Harvick uh, going and, and winning Michigan. I think he's going to be a contender for sure. Chastain, you know, uh, earlier in the year, I would have said they've got a lot of speed, but uh, ever since that win at Nashville, just doesn't really seem like they can do anything. I'm actually looking more towards the Toyotas. Um, if there is one Chevrolet I'm looking at, it's Kyle Busch, but the Toyotas are really where I'm looking. Uh, the past few weeks, they've really turned things up, uh, captured a few wins, and uh, they, they're they really the group that I'm looking at. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll use this to transition into my picks. Um, I'm actually going to go a little bit of a different way. I'm going to pick two drivers who... One of them I definitely wouldn't call a sleeper. I wouldn't necessarily call him a favorite, but he's sort of the person I'm looking to lead the charge against uh, uh, against Ford from one camp. Uh, my other pick's going to be from the other camp, and I'll explain. Uh, my favorite, so to speak, is going to be Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch, for a number of years, was always very strong here, and Toyota was from Toyota, one of the leading drivers here, other than Denny Hamlin. I think what Kyle Busch has probably been doing so well this season, probably part of the reason why that RCR team has been performing so well, is he has that wealth of knowledge. What has Toyota been doing all these years? And remember, Richard Childress Racing is not particularly bad here. Austin Dillon had uh, a few good runs here over the years, in particular, I think, to a few years ago, I believe it was 2021, where he actually won a stage and then immediately wrecked uh, by with Brad Keselowski, not two seconds later after crossing the start finish line. So I'm going with that camp as my favorite. Kyle Busch, Richard Childress Racing. I'm also going to bet against Ford. Not that I have it out against Ford, but sorry, Ford. I'm going to go with someone from the different camp for my dark horse. He's coming off a lot of momentum at Richmond. I talked about him earlier in the show. He has also run really good here at Michigan, and last year ran pretty well uh, for quite some time in the Michigan race. I want to go with Bubba Wallace for my dark horse pick. He's run well at Michigan before, and coming off the momentum that he's coming, I feel like this is a Bubba thing. He builds up that momentum for a little bit at a time, and then all of a sudden, boom, has a stretch of really good races. And I feel like last week could have been the start of that where we, we now are really, I, I don't want to discredit him because he, he ran fairly well at New Hampshire and Pocono as well. Um, but last week, I think, was the first week where it was the full race for the most part. I know he had that mistake at the end, but we'll call it the full race, right? Now, can he come back to a track where he did well at before and bring that momentum into this race and finish it up? Um, you know, I, I, I sort of do think of him, too, about these bigger and faster tracks. Daytona, Talladega, Atlanta, obviously coming to mind. But uh, he's had a few good runs here at uh, at Michigan, as well as tracks similar, uh, similar but different, you know, uh, Kansas, Las Vegas. So I'll, I'm going to go with uh, with Bubba for my dark horse. Yeah, he's a winner in the truck series, famously yeah. got pranked by his best friend uh, after that. Um, on the glass case of emotion, which was one of the funniest things ever, but, um, he's, he's good at really good at Michigan. He, I think his bread and butter, you'd say either are short tracks or Martinsville, 
that that short track at Martinsville or these uh, cookie cutter type races. And and he's also a very streaky guy. When he gets on streaks, he's good for winning a lot and doing really well, much to the chagrin of segments of the fan base. And this is one of his best racetracks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with both of those picks. I mean, Kyle Busch, fourth overall in points. While the consistency hasn't been there per se, he does have the three wins. He's only five points behind Christopher Bell for fourth. So um, he's running above and beyond. Even what Reddick was doing with a similar kind of uh, number of wins last year um, and, you know, absolutely taking Dylan to the woodshed in terms of the points as well. Um for me, I mean, yeah, Bubba, that's a great pick there. Um, I'm I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna it might be a little bit of fandom, it might be a little bit of Homer, soda Homer, because he used to be my favorite driver. I think the momentum is in the favor of Brad Keselowski to finally win at Michigan International Speedway. Uh he's now lost had two times where he's had a chance to win, and both of those times his teammate has won. I think Brad hasn't. It's Brad hasn't won in over two years now. It's uh, because it's Talladega in April of twenty one. Uh, so it's been over two years for him. Uh, is uh, so. I mean, I think it's time for him to finally win there. Ford wants this victory. I know that they've had a brutal year. Uh, it would be a big deal for him to get that victory, lock himself into the playoff and uh, solidify RFK uh, solidly in uh, so that they don't have to worry about their circumstance, their situation, playoff-wise, going to two road courses and uh, Daytona. In terms of a wild card pick, I mean, I was going with the Clyde for a few races, and that definitely didn't work out. Not trying Bowman because he's been god-awful. Uh I'm, I mean, it, it makes, I mean, there's really two people I, I think that it would make the most sense to do it with, uh, I'm going to do it while it makes me nauseous. I'm going to go with Keebler Gibbs. Uh, he's shown a progression here in the last few races, uh, minus of course, ran, he ran into somebody, uh, last week or a couple, last couple of weeks. I think he ran into somebody, I think he ran into somebody at New Hampshire, or if you didn't run into somebody in New Hampshire, you ran into somebody last week, whatever it was, uh, to be Keebler Gibbs to show what he is. But in terms of uh, his pro- projection and potential, the slow rise, he still has a chance to make this on points. He can go out there at Michigan and give himself a lot of help with a solid day with stage points and a top 10 or 15 finish out of the deal. Uh, Keebler would be my wild card there and that would be a, a huge uh effect for him i think that points battle is going to be quite intriguing because the way the math has been working um it's gonna be hard to see 16 different winners at this point i mean every single race now somebody would have to win uh, for there to be 16 winners so different winners so i i have a hard time believing that'll happen i do think that harvick has shown speed at times keselowski's had speed at times even baba to a point so yeah theoretically one of those guys could win this weekend 
And I think one of those guys theoretically could win at Daytona. But then when you go to the road course, yeah, the Roush cars have been good. But um, you're looking at like the ringers going at Indy and Watkins lends a very fast track. So that's been a Hendrick benefit for a while or Gibbs place. So see what happens with that. All right. So that'll uh, be it for this week. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming on. No, you had to go through a lot of technical difficulties and having to move the camera around since family was moving around there having to get into the drawers. So, uh, First of all, thanks for coming on. Great that we could have you back on the show, and hopefully we can um, do more as we get towards the cup playoffs. Uh, But where can we find you on the socials and other things that you're working on right now? Yeah, so uh, I mentioned off the air, I I have a few things that are in development, we'll call them. We haven't gotten very far along. Life's taken a turn for me. Um, Not a bad one. I won't say a bad one, but... Uh, things are very different than they were uh, the last time I was on the show. Um, I am still tweeting. It's a little more scarce than it has been. Uh, you can still follow me at Pacero Jr. on Twitter. That's P-A-S-S-E-R-O-J-R. Or if that's now not Twitter, if it's X, I don't know what it's called anymore. Um, but I'm still there. Wherever it is, I'm still there. And you can find me there. I still do my stage points. I still do all the updates. Um, this next few weeks in particular is going to be a lot of points updates with drivers not longer, uh, not having an opportunity to point their way in anymore. Drivers now on the cusp, if there's no new winner or if there's new winner, um, these are the next few weeks are always ridiculous and I love them. I thrive in them. Um, so be sure to follow me and I'll be having some updates there. Phil, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, Josh out there. Hello. If you're watching this or editing this (laughs) and, uh, it's great. It's always great to be on the show. And I want to thank you for inviting me out tonight. It's, uh, it's been a rough time lately, especially, but this is a, a nice way to just talk, uh, talk racing, relax for a little while. And, uh, probably could use a few more of these the door is always open for you brother if you want to come on we always have good chats and good conversations it actually makes me think a little more even on the nascar side when for me as my fandom has kind of waned at times so it makes me think a little bit keeps me brings me back in a lot of ways but it also keeps me engaged so it's always good and i always uh appreciate the stage point uh updates and stuff on your feed uh so definitely follow joe on on whatever we whatever they're supposed to call one of elon musk's uh useless um platforms that he is that he's got now um in terms of me on this platform on x or whatever uh i'm pg matthew 28 uh we have at gripster pod on on this platform as well we're also um we're on youtube at gripster podcast josh handles the video feed when we have video feeds we also post the audio of the show the audio goes on there as well on uh, my youtube page and so if you just want to listen to the audio you can hear it there you can also get it on philipgmatthew.com the blog site hoping over the next couple of months i might be able to start you know, writing something again, it would be nice. Uh, Been off of that for a while. So maybe we can get some written content going there. Uh, The grid talk go on there. Grid talk podcast. I'm wearing my, I'm a part of the George house and fan club. 
might be able to get some of the members there to come on, kind of talk about F1 here in the next couple of weeks with their summer break on, get into more of the details that don't involve fish lips. Um, but you could see me on there as well. Um, we'll be back for episode 181 of the Grip Strip podcast and next week talking about all the um, racing at Michigan, Nashville for IndyCar, so Cup Xfinity, Michigan. Roundup won't be anywhere near as busy, thankfully for me. Um, and uh, we'll do, we'll definitely get into more NFL talk next week. Uh, won't be as much going on racing wise. We'll preview the whole weekend at Indianapolis. Uh, you'll have the Gallagher Grand Prix at the IMS Road Course, then Cup and Xfinity, which will have uh, the likes of Shane Van Gisbergen, Brody Kostecki, and Kamui Kobayashi, amongst others, uh, racing in the Indianapolis uh, Verizon 200. So we'll get in all that previews and and the whole bit. So for Joe, uh, I'm Phil. Thanks for tuning in to Grip Strip Podcast, and we'll uh, talk to you next time.